0: Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's guest is Rich Vision, who is also a listener to the podcast. There's so many episodes where, you know, I put out my email address and say, hey, reach out, send me an email at leoflowers2000 at gmail. And I think some of you think I'm joking. I think you think I'm kidding. And and Rich Vision sent me an email, told me that, uh, one of the episodes really connected with him, the one about how painful rejection is, and he's here to talk about his story about how hearing that episode and um, some you know, uh, other life events, how it's led him to recording his own music, to really getting his voice out there and being heard and being seen. Welcome to the episode, Rich.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you.
0: I appreciate you being here, brother. Um, Talk to me about the episode about rejection. And because it was a few episodes back where I talked about how painful rejection can feel. Why did that resonate so much with you? Yes,
1: absolutely. The reason why the episode resonated with me a lot is because when I first got started pursuing music, I, you know, the idea that I was uh, recording artists or, like, the desire, having the desire to be a recorded artist was shunned upon because it wasn't something that, like, people in my family were privy to. It was more like the eight to five, you know, and that's basically the old narrative. And for me, pursuing music, that was something that was a passion that came later on, but because of the fact that I was, like, a lone wolf doing it, without anybody else having that music background, it felt like I was, like, going against the grain. So for me, the reason why I resonated also was because of the fact that, like, you know, the closest people, you know, families and uh, people who I considered, you know, like, friends of mine, you know, at first they were just kind of like, okay, they didn't understand it. You know, a few people were were basically saying I was just doing it for money and other reasons, and I'm just like it, it. It really brought a a different perspective in my eyes as far as how people perceive artists. But I mean, that's another tangent. But as far as you know, the rejection issues work is concerned, for me, it's always been listening to someone else's narrative of what they think, you know, um, an artist should be, you know what I mean, or look. And me being doing music, you know, fresh out of, you know, like high school and um, during high school, it always felt very, um, you know, depressing because, you know, you, you, I craved the validation because I didn't have it when I was first pursuing it. So the validation meant everything to me. And because I didn't see the validation up front, I started to fall into um, depression. I ended up spiraling. And to be honest with you, a lot of my mental health struggles were from rejection. It wasn't that I was diagnosed with depression. Which is interesting because people might think like because I'm an advocate for mental health that I might be diagnosed with like anxiety or depression. And that's not the case. It was always cyberbullying that really caused me to spiral into depression and rejection.
0: You talked about the family shunning you and wanting that nine to five. And how painful that is, because here you are sharing your vision for your future, your ideas for your future, your future and people saying, no, this is the way we want you to go. This is the way you should go. And that has to be isolating, I imagine, Mm -hmm. on some levels. Right. And for them to say, hey, you're only doing it for the money. I think most people are working for the money. Right. I mean, if you think about who's who's not working a double shift uh, because they want less money, you, you're working a double shift because you want more money. That's why, you know, you work a double shift. I remember when I worked at Popeye's, I worked a double shift to make that extra money and I worked a double shift if I could on the holidays like Christmas, because you got double time and and, uh, you know, that time and a half and you, you're always looking for extra ways to make money, and so I, you know, being an artist shouldn't be any different. You know, it's a business. People think it's just pure artistry, but there is a business side to uh, being an artist. If you look at the the Michelangelos, the Da Vincis, they all thought about the business side. They aligned themselves with the church. They aligned themselves uh, with the monarchs uh, of their time to make sure that they had enough food to put. Um, Enough money to put food not only on their plate, but on the plates of their family. So um, for anybody out there who is an artist and people are trying to shun you and push you into the nine to five, uh, recognize that even if you go into art, it is also a business. It's not just you being in your room and putting pen to pad or a paintbrush on a canvas. Uh, There's work that has to be done on so many levels. Um, you talked about the the depression and the spiraling. Uh, you shared with me in the email that you've had a few suicide was it more than one suicide attempt?
1: Yeah quite a few yes.
0: And was that the result of was, let's go back to the first time without mm. giving any details as to mm. how you did it um, okay. was the source of the mm. first attempt Cyberbullying or was that something else? What what led to the first attempt?
1: The uh first attempt was basically from that.
0: And how old were you at that bullying? time? It must
1: have been oh, I mean it felt so long ago. Um it must have been when I was in high school, probably um I must have been in my teens.
0: And um, what saved you from that incident? What it was an the, attempt. Yeah. What saved you from that incident?
1: Well, the first incident was, um, I, I have a, a background in church, so so um, a lot of excuse me, a lot of the principles um, still resonate with me to these to this day, even though I'm not an active church goer, I there was something that the um you know what to be honest i was going to say something but i'm i'm going to just be transparent and say um part of it was i was too scared to that's really what it was you know other than also i add on top of that because it's also real um that there was always there was a person who was preaching, I believe, um, the weekend before, I went to this um, youth event. It was Christian-based. And we go like every once a year, cause fast break. And it was just like the youth come together and we experience God in a, a whole different way. And one of the pastors said something that was very profound. I do not remember verbatim what he said, but what he has said really spoke volumes to me it must have been something about self-worth and I you know I took that I was like oh wow and I saw myself differently so as, as soon as I got to my house once I got back from the retreat, I was meditating on that what the pastor was saying and for me it was like, at that moment, I was like, "Wait a minute! There's something to this. Like, that's powerful. I'm like, I'm leaving so much on the lot, on the table right now with what I have to offer to just do it all the way because of the lack of validation I was getting from the people that don't hold space in that regard. Not saying you know, in period, just you know, they don't have that much weight. Honestly, in my life, for me to you know, kill myself." And that's what it was, really. And looking back at it, I would also say, you know, that really saved me from, you know, you know, leaving all my gifts, you know, out there that people need, right, to heal and and find that um the inner peace that they're looking for. So it was always either someone who says something profound. I'm like, wait a minute, they have a, they have something um they have a perspective that I didn't think about. I didn't think like my my life meant so much because at that time I was being belittled. So I was thinking of it like that was like the NOBR, you know? But then I said, okay, wait a minute, what the pastor was saying about self-worth. I'm like, wait a minute, I have power in my words too. You know what I mean? So I started connecting the dots and it allowed me to see myself way in a way more. Uh, higher regard than I did in the past. And that was when I was able to share my testimony with others.
0: What's powerful about what you shared, Rich, is you're a person, it sounds like, who was seeking validation from your family and from Mm -hmm. your friends. And when we are seeking external validation, it could be the source of why it hurts so much when we don't receive it. If I, if I go to my mom or my father for a hug and they don't return the hug, that's painful. If I say I love you to someone and they don't say I love you back, that's painful, right? And a lot of what we hear um, in the zeitgeist right now is like learning how to validate yourself. But, what, but part of validating ourselves is the, the messages that we're receiving. So you have to find someone outside your family, outside your friend circle, right? That could give you that validation. It came from the church, it came from the, the the minister, the preacher. And so for anybody listening out there, don't limit the well, I don't want to say don't limit. Instead of limiting your external validation to the people that you want validation from. Expand that out, expand, broaden that, that, that net to other people, whether Mm -hmm. it's from a book, a minister, a TV show, this podcast, like if you're a person who seeks external validation, then be intentional about where you're seeking it from. Yes. I, I would assume rich. You still want that validation from your family and your friends. But until then, until they can come around, maybe they never come around. Until then, I'm going to go over here and talk to the preacher. Until then, I'm going to go over here and talk to, uh, you know, the, the football coach or to the mailman or to, you know, the cashier down at the grocery store. Like, whoever is willing to give me that external validation in a way that feels healthy and nourishing and safe and supportive, I'll take that. Until my family or friends or whoever I want to give it to me comes around. Maybe they never come around, but I'm going to find it elsewhere. It's almost like if I go to a grocery store to get chicken and they're out of chicken, I'm not going to be like, well, I guess I'm just not going to have no chicken. I'm going to another grocery store to get the chicken. And if they don't have it, I'll find another one until I find someplace right until they got my chicken. I need my wings. I need the barbecue. The weekend is coming. I'm firing up the grill, right? So the same way, the same way, Rich, that we scroll on Netflix and uh, Instagram and all these until we find the thing that, you know, that we connect with or that we want to watch and see, that's the same way we have to seek out an external validation. So I'm I'm so glad that you shared that story because you found that self-worth. So talk to me about this idea of self-worth and not wanting to, uh, and, 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 and recognizing that you had so many gifts to share that you don't want to die with, with all of these gifts that you've been given.
1: Mm, That's good. Um, well, should I start. Um, I will say even um interesting because this is a tie-in to when I did a rebrand, right? Um, I did a rebrand with a mentor of mine, and we went through my brand. I it was I had a braggadocious uh, rap name which was which so fresh, and then it transformed to Rich vision. We were thinking about how it allowed me to see myself doing way more than what i thought i could like i had that victim's mentality i had the eight eight to five mentality i didn't think i could do anything outside those four walls so for me you know having that vision of doing more i even did a song called meant for more that i didn't put out yet you know speaking about how you know i have so much in me and i want to put my gifts out there like you give I'm us a, a give us a me.
0: taste right now. Okay, can we get a taste or is that is that copyright?
1: Um, it's not um it's not copyrighted um as yet, but um it's definitely gonna come out on my second project. Okay. Yeah, but it's all it's definitely it's definitely coming for sure, for sure. But um, yeah, just encouraging people to um see see themselves the way God sees them as worthy, as queens, kings. And for me, you know, the self-worth journey was always, was always, you know, stressful, but it always was a learning curve for me because, because I wasn't taught that, right? It's something, it's not like, you know, you get um, a book on, you know, self-worth and that's a, you know, it's a one, two, three, it's like, it's a day-to-day walk. So that day-to-day walk for me really stemmed from, honestly, a lot of books. I read a lot of books during the pandemic, too, when I felt worthless. Um, I read, um, you know, Eric Thomas's books. Um, I had him on replay. I was listening to a lot of motivational content. I was listening to David Goggins. Like, I was listening to all this content, and a lot of it was reminded me of my self-worth. So, you know, and then I started to write, like, records, you know, about, like, Feeling worthy of myself because I really saw myself worthy because of the fact that I started believing in the words I said and also being in that community where my mentor, where she facilitated a or cultivated a community, a music community with like-mindedness, and also people who were just very receptive to my music. I never felt that in my life. Because I was dealing with cyberbullying. So that was a different feeling to me. Like some of my songs would be like top two, top three. And I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't know I was, you know, my songs were good enough. So, you know, a lot of the validation also came from that too. Also performing, seeing other people who were, you know what I mean? Very really receptive to my material. And also they would say things like, man. Um, you know your words are powerful, like even one moment that really resonated with me, and this was a game changer for me. This really changed the trajectory trajectory of my life i I was at church, and the guy must have been he must have been nineteen, probably even younger. His name was Ryan. He was from Canada, and he had like a group of his friends from Canada. They were visiting the church, and at the time, I was um con convers- conversing with them. Um, and they were, I don't know what the conversation was, but I ended up exchanging my YouTube with the guy. His name was Ryan. He. And I didn't even know him from a hole in the wall. So this is very profound for me. As soon as I got home from saying my goodbyes, he messages me on Facebook and tells me, your YouTube saved my life. And I'm just like, and like, I was just like, in awe. I'm just like, what? And like for me, that is that was a game changer. I didn't I didn't even know, you know, at that time my words had power. I was thinking like, you know, I was trash. And that was the identity that I I adopted, you know, sadly, you know, and for me, that was just like, wow, I can't believe that he said that. And you know, it it just is a testimony to what difference. We can make as people, as individuals, as kings and queens, if we're willing to just put our content out there, put our gifts out there. You never know who is going to receive their content. And, you know, it, it could save a life and it could also provide so much inspiration to those who feel like they're not good enough. You know what I mean? Like you never know who you could influence at any given moment. So that was just that was just like a huge game changer for me.
0: I love the the emphasis on saving a life because so many times I believe that there are people who don't want to put their stuff out because they think, well, how many people are going to listen to it? Maybe two, three people, five people, you know, I'm not going to get the, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to do Jay-Z numbers. I'm not going to do Taylor Swift numbers. And what I'm hearing in your voice is How you saving one life, one person, not millions of lives, not hundreds of thousands of lives, not not the world, but one life and and the profound impact that that had on you, because in saving that one person's life, that person is still here. And because that person is still here, it's saving other people's lives, because we know that when one person ends their life, then Mm. two to three people, uh, and their lives also who are in relation on some level because they heard about or related to them, or, you know, it might not, might be an immediate, but it might be like a slow, uh, kind of suicide, uh, where they develop some addiction because they lost them. So, you know, we through collaterally are saving lives. You know, there's, we talk about collateral damage, but there's also collateral life saving. So Mm -hmm. that that's the power. Of, of putting out the material as you said. You save one life, man. And sometimes we don't get to hear about the life that we save. Right? Right. I forget what you, you think you said. His name is Ryan. Sometimes the Ryans don't say anything to us. Sometimes the Ryans will watch our and consume our material and not leave a comment. Mm-hmm. But in their heart, they go, man, that person saved my life. I mean, I've done it where I've watched somebody's material and been like, wow, that saved my life. And I didn't leave a comment. I didn't let them know. So know that even if people aren't saying it to you, mm. that it's happening. You just have to feel that in your heart. Um, You talked about day to day. And in addiction programs, they talk so much about just for today. Don't think about 12 days from now, a month from now, a year from now. You talked about day-to-day. Talk to me about the importance of you taking it day-to-day.
1: That's that's good. That's also a heavy question, too. But, no, that's good because, you know, there has been times where I'm just like, okay, I got so much going on, right? I got all these gigs. You know what I mean? So it could get overwhelming. But to be honest, like, I even stopped... um, probably like a month ago not working on this not working in the con um uh, you know the cons you know confines of a schedule because of the fact that it was really taxing for me to plan like you know this I'm not saying that I didn't have structure but you know it was for me it was more like I have to just like get my my mental health together like you know I'm doing a lot. You know, I'm eight to five and I'm also gigging a lot too, more regularly than I was before. So, you know, taking a day by day has always been something, not always, but it's it's been something, you know, very recently that I'm I'm working towards, you know, perfecting in a in sense of like, if I worry about today, tomorrow like you know what to say about the Bible, you know, tomorrow has this, you know, you know, fair fair, you know, things. You know what I mean? So I'm just paraphrasing, but you know, you really could focus on one day at a time, really, like, you, it's not like you could wake up and do, you know, do, yeah, you could do tomorrow's work too, but it's like, you know, you're only one person, like, I had to tell myself, I'm, I'm only one person, like, there's times I'm going to operate like a robot, like, I want to, like, but I'm, like, I'm only one person, I only could do so much in one day, really, and I do a lot, so it's, like, focusing on one day at a time really takes the stress of, like, you know what I mean, having to do, Every single thing, you you know, as long as I do, like, honestly, two or three things get done. I'm like, OK, I accomplished something. I'm like, I got out of bed. I went to the gym today. You know what I mean? Like, I, I give myself validation. You know what I mean? When I accomplish something, even if it's just like one or two things, because that one or two things, you know, compounds and it does make a difference. So I- if you're watching, you know, I want you to know that. You know, even if you're getting out of bed, that makes a difference.
0: I love that. It's so true. There's a, a Netflix documentary that I keep talking about called Stuts, with uh, Jonah Hill interviewing his therapist, mm-hmm. and his therapist says that all actions are equal actions. So whether you take a shower or write a book or save a mm-hmm. life or build a house, all those actions weigh equally. No one action weighs more than the other. And so, you know, for you to take that time to validate yourself for accomplishing the fact that you got out of bed, because we both know, Rich, when we're in the throes of depression, there are days where getting out of bed feels like the hardest thing in the world. And there have been days where I I know for myself, I have not gotten out of bed. I've been in bed all day, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and and going uh, days without showering. So to take that time and notice, you know, it's it's that idea of remember where you came from. Remember that there was a time where you didn't want to get out of bed and you couldn't get out of bed and uh, you didn't shower. So um, I applaud you for recognizing that you talked about, it feeling overwhelming working in nine to five and and gigging at night right that transition because mm-hmm. first you're working a nine to five and then you say i'm going to pursue my dream so now you're working a nine to five and gigging and that can be overwhelming and taxing and requires so much structure because now every minute of your day counts mm-hmm. how do you manage that overwhelm besides Mm -hmm. telling yourself one day at a time and validating yourself? Mm
1: -hmm. The first thing that comes to mind honestly is expectation. The expectation that I have on myself is how I manage it because because I have a high expectation for myself. I, I know what I'm capable of and what I'm, I know what I'm capable of and what I'm capable of not. Um, and because of the fact that I had people speak over my life, you know, my life coach, you know, she always saw me doing so much more. And for me, I always pushed myself to to do more than what I was accustomed to doing before so the way I manage it's like having the expectation of like, I don't give myself a choice. It's like, I get to manage it. Like, that's the thing about me is like, now I'm changing my perspective based on my life coach, because what she taught me was like, um, no, you don't need to do this. You get to do this. You choose to do this. So it gives me like more of a like. Oh, like it's a lighter load than, like, oh, I needed, like, it seems like a chore. You know what I mean? Now, when I say manage, it's like, okay, no, I like, get to, you know, rehearse or like get ready for a gig because I know that one of my songs is gonna really affect someone. And it has. People have been coming up to me after I performed the single and they've just been like sharing their heart and soul. I'm like, what? And I'm like, they're so open as soon as like, they come to me and then they want to tell me their, like, their story. And I'm like, what? So it's like, for me, like knowing that, like I'm capable of making a difference is what really helps me manage. Honestly.
0: Talk to me about this life coach, about your life mm. coach. Some people get a therapist. Some people get medication to go see a psychiatrist. Some people do ayahuasca trips in Costa Rica. You went down the path of life coach. Walk us through that decision-making process. Because I'm going to assume life coach was not your first, the, uh, you know, the, the your first, the first option that you were considering. Absolutely. The
1: reason why I even considered Doing life coaching is because I saw her. I saw Tanisha as someone who, you know, tough exterior, right? You know, called you know she was called the drill sergeant, right? Very tough, um, and ex, you know, ex, exterior, but I just saw even from a Zoom screen, her heart was so like. She wanted people to succeed. She wanted people to, like, excel. And there's not a lot of people, you know, in life that want to see you win. There's a lot of people who want to see you lose and fail. So I just saw her way different than the average person. So there was something about her. I'm like, I I'm, I, I like this chick. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? She's so positive. And I noticed, to be honest with you, that... I was struggling a lot with resentment, self hatred, mental baggage, and I carried it throughout. You know, I don't want to say a year, but it, it, it felt like a year to me, which is during the time that I was writing the record about mental abuse, and I, I said, I can't do this no more. I, I spoke to her. I made a consultation with her via Zoom and she was telling me, you know, it was just like, she she knew I was carrying so much and I knew like in order for me to change like the inner me, like, and to be really healed and whole as a person and not carry resentment from the past, you know, from mental abuse, I'm like, this mental baggage has to go. It, it doesn't serve me, and I ended up hiring hiring her for one a one month retainer, um, you know because it was, you know, at the moment like the most affordable package. And she said, "Okay, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's gonna be, it's gonna feel like it's a quick, you know, um." month because it's only a month but she said you have to be willing to do the work you have to be willing to do the homework so you can see the results and I'm like I desperately wanted to the results like I was getting myself sick like I couldn't go like a day to without writing I hate this person I'm gonna throw a book at this person for mentally abusing me and I had so much like evil things and so much ill intent towards this individual that I saw myself as like an ugly person and I started hating myself and I started talking to myself in ways that, uh, you know, someone who loved themselves wouldn't talk to themselves. Like, it's like, for me, it was more of like, okay, if I don't get this check, you know, know, nipped in the butt, it's going to spread throughout all over the place and it's not gonna be pretty because it's not gonna help me excel with my music career and she knew it was holding me back too so she was like what's up what's going on like you have this mental baggage that you're carrying around and I said yeah because I can't let go of stuff and she was like why come she was like it's in the past like you know why can't you just let go of it and the reason why I couldn't let go we nipped it in the bud the second not second day uh, I was like when I had like the extra uh, session, I believe, she told me to journal about the friend um, that we parted ways with, um, that I parted, we, we both parted ways with each other to write about a letter to her, like, you know what I mean? And, you know, I ended up losing the letter, but the principle of it was like, to figure out like why I felt rejected. and pinpoint the reason why listen to this <laughs> the reason why I felt rejected by her was the fact that I was rejected as a um, as a child right as a baby so that I was projecting that on her um, subconsciously so that's what the rejection really stemmed from and I'm like oh wow I didn't know I was projecting these things so all of that, to be honest with you, is the reason why I needed to have a life coach because, you know, I I was broken. I I I wasn't the whole person. I was just more like, I had this fake mask. I, you know, I thought everything was okay. You know, but I wasn't really healed. I was just pretending like I was healing, but I was still, you know, writing all these things about these people that you know, served a higher purpose for me and really honestly saved my life, <laughs> you know what I mean, that I'm, I'm writing old things about. So it's like, you know, I knew for a fact that in order for me to fully be healed, I had to forgive. And my by me, like being in the life coaching um program, it helped me see myself as a victor, not a victim. And it also helped me establish a different relationship with my with myself that i could see other people as not as the mental prison but a gateway to my self worth and my inner freedom.
0: Boom. T- talk to me about and, and talk to us about this feeling of rejection as a baby that you mentioned. I mean w- was mom not giving you the breast <laughs> milk like what what was the rejection coming from?
1: <laughs> um i was adopted. So that is the reason why I felt rejected, and I was projecting it on someone who saved my life. Um, so it was it's interesting
0: how everything just panned out. So you were rejected uh, or not rejected? You were adopted yeah. as a baby, the, yeah, uh, as a newborn or as a child or what age yeah, as were newborn. you? A newborn. Yeah, it was like
1: a newborn, I believe.
0: Okay. And were you ad- adopted into? Because uh, you know this is going to be audio, so for yes. the listeners out there, yeah. uh, you're African American, Were uh, you adopted by a black family or white family?
1: I believe it was Spanish, like Dominican.
0: The the family you say you believe. So was it? Yeah. Was it not a, a permanent adoption? Or
1: yeah, it was. So basically, my um, my mom. Um, well, I don't your really birth- know my mom. My, your birth mom.
0: Okay, your birth yeah, mom. Yeah, my birth
1: mom. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Okay. But my ad- adopted mom was the one who um, stepped in and oh. took me, you know, me as her.
0: Oh, so you, you know, your your birth parents, you said you think were Spanish.
1: Yeah, that's from what I know from my, from my, from what my sister.
0: Got it uh told me and then your adopted parents are or what nationality Um, Are Puerto Rican and Guyanese Puerto Rican okay so did you within that family that you were adopted by did you feel accepted by all the family members or uh were there some family members where you felt closer to some than others
1: I mean, to be honest, I had a pretty good relationship with everyone okay. in my family. I never really had issues with anyone, thank God. Probably after the fact, because, you know, when you're older and you siblings, you know, that sibling was a rivalry. But other than that, it wasn't, like, anything, like, too,
0: you know. So, so this, you know, on some level, I understand now why an adoptive family, because I think you shared earlier, that the adopted family wanted you to go the nine to five route, right? Get a job and, um, you know, live this typical traditional work life that most people have. Am I correct in stating that?
1: Partially correct. The Because it was a family business, it was more of like, It was more like, you know, this is this is what it
0: is. You know what I
1: mean? This is like it make it would make sense, you know, like oh for you to you go doing? into the
0: family business. Yeah, like it's I it's see. there, meaning
1: like it's there. Right. I don't have to be chasing looking.
0: Yeah. makes it. sense
1: though, but you know yes. what I mean. I was the lone wolf, so I said I'm gonna do what I gotta do <laughs> and you know, pursue my passion. But
0: yeah. And so the cyberbullying that was taking place. So it sounds like the family, on one hand, is wanting you to go into the family business. Uh, so, and it's so sometimes that can feel loving or it can feel controlling, right? On one hand, because especially when you have a, a dream that's different than what uh, the, the family's vision for you is. And then you're experiencing cyberbullying. And from the cyberbullying perspective, what were some of the comments you were receiving?
1: Well, that's a heavy question. Oh, so one that I remember was um, you know, I don't have the um I don't have a voice for R and B or something like that. Um one was very foul, which was like, Oh, if C D had my if Diddy had my CD in his hands, he would throw it out his window. So that was just like you know, a lot of it was um you you rap like you have a hundred marbles in your mouth um some we saying
0: so, you know, so just a lot of yeah. painful <laughs> yeah right a like you, why are you even doing this you should be working in a family business kind of deal right right um yes. and you're like wow these are people that i, I don't even know who um on some levels may have not even listened to the the music. you know, sometimes people are just trolling and posting comments, but it, it hurts nonetheless, right? Because yeah. you, here you are, you put your heart and soul into something and then to kind of receive that and then to receive that feedback, uh, that can be hurtful. Yeah. So working with this life coach, you talked about uh, changing your perspective, taking things a day at a time. And then also writing a letter to get to the source of your uh, resentments, which you know was the feeling of rejection and the feeling of rejection uh, as a baby, right? Being put up for adoption. So how old are you now, Rich? 32. At, at the age of 32, how are you making amends with your birth parents putting you up for adoption? Because you're talking about feeling rejected by them. And the pain of that, how are you making amends to let go of that mental baggage? Are you seeking out your birth, your, your birth parents? Are you letting them go and reframing it in a way that's empowering for you? What, what's the, what are the mental mechanics there?
1: That's a great question. I am reframing it because of the fact that I know everything happens for a reason. And I'm not just saying that because it's cliche, it's just, it is what it is. When things happen, it's always for a greater purpose. It's either to learn a lesson or something that you can apply. Um, And for me, it's more of like, I'm in a space where now I, you know, I'm accepted. You know what I mean? I feel validated by my family. Like I could, you know. You know they're very supportive of my my dreams, and that's all I asked for, really. You know what I mean. And that's just there's nothing there's, besides probably being on stage a greater feeling than than that from family. The you know validation from family. Nothing I needed it, but it's it's you know it's a blessing.
0: We do need it. I just listened yeah. to Cicely Tyson's uh, book. Um, she's an actress. She lived to be ninety seven. And growing up, you know, same thing. She, I think her parents are like West Indian or something They're from uh, one of the islands. And her mom did not support her becoming an actress and model. You know, why are you doing that? Get a nine to five, yada, yada, yada. And Cicely Tyson is starring in TV shows and movies. And she said throughout her book, all she wanted was not the awards or the crowd applause, but was for her mom to, you know, give her that look of approval and mm. and say, you know, I'm proud of what you've done. And uh, and you know, her mom finally gave that to her after, mm. you know, decades of, you know, get a job, why are you, you know, in Hollywood, yada yada. So it's natural. That's that's our first love is our parents, right? We we seek as a baby, we're not like trying to soothe ourselves. We're trying to get other people to soothe us. So it's it's innate. It's 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 who we are as a species to uh seek that external validation. So I, I'm I'm proud of you for sharing that journey. Rich, is there any part of your story that we haven't talked about that you think would be of value to the listeners out there? Well, wow. um I don't
1: know how deep. can get um you you can get big because you know there was really an incident i mean i won't be visual because i just don't want you know i don't want to be the reason anybody does this but um because i don't want that to be in my conscience but i will say you know um what I would say is to please get the help that you, you need, Um, you know, deserve. Because a lot of people, you know, men in particular, you know, we, we wear our, um, like, pride, like a badge of honor, right? We can't cry. And the thing, what I noticed is that, you know, when I was able to be transparent with people, that's when people were were able to be receptive towards me and console me. Like, man, I I felt the same way. I had a person go through this too. Just yesterday, somebody was like, you know, thank you for for sharing your song. Like my sister, you know, my brother committed suicide. And I'm like, what? It it, it is, it's just very, you know what I mean? It's... I don't even know, I'm lost for words to describe it. It's just, you know, being able to just say, okay, I'm at a point right now, I need help. Okay, I'm at a point, I need life coaching. And I even had therapy, like, what, two years ago? Because I said, okay, I I, I didn't I don't want to stay like that. And that, you know, I didn't want to stay depressed. I really didn't. That's the reason why I did it. And, you know, when it comes to depression and anxiety, like, it's no shame in saying that you need someone to hold space. There was a lot of people who held space in my life that I respect highly, you know, know, have a high regard for them because the fact that they said something or gave me a resource that was a lifeline for me, which is the reason why I'm here, I'm here standing tall today, and my calling and my purpose, because, you know, like you said, Leo, like, we need the validation from people to know that, like, okay, we are enough as we are, and we don't need to resort to suicide, and, um, you know what I mean, um, and end it, you know, like, we have enough as we are, and we don't have to um, resort that to that option, like there's so many resources now, um, at our disposal, you know, through Zoom, you know, um, so many resources now that they have opening up to domestic violence, I mean, abuse and mental abuse. And it's, it's like, you, it's like, there's no reason not to get help because there's so many options right now to get the help, so it's like, you know. For me, it's just like giving people the, um, the what do you call it like the space to say, okay, this is the time where I don't like where things are going, and I know I'm spiraling. That's when you should get the help, because the fact that like you wanna you don't want to spiral too far to where you can't control your emotions, and and then you end up doing things that you will regret like you know even during the pandemic i was gonna do something i um, almost regretted and my sister was there to catch me and and say what are you doing here you're not supposed to be you know what i mean like what are you doing that for she called me mid mid doing it mid suicide act so it's so it's like having that person that sees you know your value and your worth saying like okay there's another way and that's what I would say is like, you know, put the pride aside and, and really have someone counsel you to the other side, like I was counseled to the other side, because we need more people to be a light um, in this community. The community is, you know, needs more people to inspire hope, to be a catalyst for change. And you being here, you know, in this world is giving a reason why somebody else is here too, you know, it gives them like the permission to be here. You know, there's times where people will say like, man, like, you know, what you said really was a game changer for me, you know, paraphrasing, but it really like inspired me to keep going. And I'm like, wow, you know what I mean? And that, that, that definitely, you know, could and will be for you also, but you also, um, get to be able to get the help that you deserve so that you can be a testimony to, to those people who need the
0: light. I love that. So you can be a testimony, uh, to those who need the light, rich, you know, you listen to the podcast. So, you know, the last two questions I'm going to ask you, and I feel like you really answered it with your your last statement, but I'm going to ask it anyway to see if there's a little bit more garnish you want to put on there. Uh, I always imagine there's one person listening in who mm. may be at the precipice of wanting to end their life before you kill yourself what would you say to them rich
1: mm. i would say it's not worth it you know that's coming from experience it's not worth it i will say um you are enough as you are you're worthy to be here don't allow anyone to make you feel any less than you are Um, see yourself as valuable, and just continue going. Take one a day at a time, and you will get through this hurdle. You will get through the struggle. Keep your head up and continue to, to move forward. And, you know, and also... know that that you are the change that the society is longing for so please don't kill yourself
0: last question rich in the next 24 hours what are you looking Mm -hmm. forward to hmm hmm
1: But, um I honestly I always look forward to um, working on working on music um I have a, a session tomorrow with my coach he's been awesome and a blessing to work with we're knocking out this third song for my uh upcoming AP. And we're working on some polish for the uh, record before I get into the studio to record. So that's what I'm looking forward to because, yeah, I'm I'm dying to get back in the studio again, and and I got this uh song, so I could get closer to releasing this project.
0: Thank you so much, Rich. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you calling the nine eight eight or any of the other international hotline numbers. You can call, you can chat, you can text no matter where you are in the world. If you're in Guyana or Dominican Republican or Dominican Republican, Dominican Republic or uh, you know, the Philippines, wherever you are in the world, you can call, chat, text. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one on one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thanks a lot, Rich. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you.